Hi, this is Dr. Drew Rubin from ChiroCast. I want to welcome you to our podcast today. And what we're going to do, uh, I'm, there's going to be two parts to this. The first part is going to be um, a brief introduction as to why I am so enthused about chiropractic care. And then the second part is going to be um, a 50-minute talk about de-evolution is humanity de-evolving. So without further ado, I'm going to, Dr. Tony Carino is about to introduce me. And so they heard this crazy place down in life, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and they all showed up in this big group of people and they just stormed the place. And they were some of the most intelligent and some of the most charismatic people I've ever met in my life. And Drew Rubin is one of them. to the exam room in 1992, opened the door, and there was little Nancy in her big stroller. And she had tubes in her nose, and tubes in her mouth, and a feeding tube, a gastric tube, and was all crunched up like this with cerebral palsy. And she was a couple of weeks old. And I was a recent grad from life, me and Tony, and I remember being really, really scared. But I had a mentor, as all of us seem to have had, and his name was Dr. Larry Webster. And I put my hands on this child after the examination, and I heard Larry say to me in my brain, do what you're trained to do. Right, do what you're trained to do. Make contact with this little girl. And her eyes were fluttering about in her little head like this. I'll never forget, it was fluttering about. And I put my hands on her atlas like Larry taught us to do with sustained contact. And I held that contact for 10 seconds. And her eyes went And I was like, And I said to myself, I better learn a bit more about how to do this. <laughs> and I adjusted her three times a week for a year. And I watched this little girl open up like a flower. Like she was closed down like this. And after a year, she opened up like a flower. And I started reading the articles and going to seminars and learning more and more about this. And I was at that 1993 seminar too with Dr. Webster and Barbara Fisher. And then in 1995, Dr. Webster came to New Jersey to teach a pediatric seminar there. And he took me aside after he adjusted my one month old son. And he said, Drew, there's some crazy things going on that I'm seeing in my practice. This, all this autism, all this ADHD is rising up like a storm is rising up. We need you to be involved with this. And he shifted my whole thinking, right? He shifted 
my whole thinking, right? He took that occurrence that happened with Baby Nancy, and he took all those other teachings and articles and books that I was reading, and he took my brain and he went, shh. And from that point on, that was it. I was sold, and I went headlong into pediatrics. And now, like back in 2001, 2002, I started taking the certification program. And then I got so excited by doing that and by taking the exam and doing the PPRNs and doing all that. And then I got so excited, I said, I want to do the diplomate program. So I did that. And people ask me, well, it must be really cool having these letters after your name. But I'm telling you, it's not about the letters after your name. I didn't do it for that. I did it because of the journey, right? It changed me, right? The certification program changed me. I became a better chiropractor because of that program. I became a better chiropractor because of doing this. ICPA changes you, and when we changes you, we can change more of them. Because it's not about me, right? It is about the kids. It's about the pregnant women. That's why I do it. That's my why. I do it because we have so many kids to take care of. We have so many pregnant women to take care of. So many families to take care of. They want what we have, as BJ would say. They want what we have. We just have to get it to them, right? And that's my why. That's why I became a chiropractor for the ICPA. And I'm so honored and glad to, to be one. Thank you. That was such fun being in front of the whole ICPA Family Wellness Summit audience. Now I'm going to take you to the workshop of the evolution. And at the end, I will give you some more information. Like this, but now we're starting to de-evolve. We're starting to drop down from where we should be to, to this new place. And I think part of the reason is because of what is known as pervasive technology. Right, technology is everywhere, everything, you know. I'm wearing a number of pieces of technology. I'm recording this for my podcast on a piece of technology. You all have phones in your pockets, which is technology. This iPad, technology is everywhere, right? It's everywhere and everything, and we can't escape from it. And I, my thesis is that part of this pervasive technology is creating a crash in how we are evolving. And here's why. Dr. Stephen Borges, you know, may know if you've heard me talk, Dr. Stephen Borges talks about the polyvagal theory. The polyvagal theory, I think, is, by the way, if you haven't read this book, this is a must-read. This is a, like, tonight on Amazon, get it. Um, the polyvagal theory by Dr. Stephen Borges, he's a psychologist, he talks about um, how important it is to have social engagement, right? His, his whole idea is social engagement is the key thing that has changed us from all the primates and other sort of animals. And what's happening right now is our social engagement is changing. Our social engagement is changing. We are a society of missed opportunities. So if you look over here at these, this lovely family dinner, right, th nobody's looking at each other. Right? They're all looking down at their phones. Right? And even, I want you to notice something. Notice their smiles. We're going to talk about the smiles later. Their, their smiles aren't real smiles. Right? These are, these, are, these are called fake smiles, the kind of social smiles. They're not really engaged. Concerts. I remember when I used to go to a concert, and I actually used to watch the concert. Do you remember that? And now what I see is the kids are like this, holding up their phones to re record the concert. And they're looking vicariously through a screen, and they're getting more enjoyment looking through the screen, getting excited that I'm getting on the screen so I can share it with other people or look at it later. What about now? 
Is it now the time to enjoy this kind of thing? Right? It's so different. What about waiting, right? You go to the airport, right? And, and people just, with their heads are down, and every, there's no interaction, and everybody's looking at their phones. And in my office, it is fascinating. I used to have these holistic magazines, and, you know, like uh, Vegetarian Times, and, and Gluten-Free, this, and magazine, whatever. I don't even subscribe to any of these things anymore, except for Pathways. I always have pet names, Dr. Jeannie. <laughs> I love you, Dr. Jeannie. Um, <laughs> Uh, Pathways is the only magazine I have in my office now because nobody looks at anything else. What do they look at? They're looking at their phones. They're looking at their phones. That's the only thing they're looking at. And that's how they wait. Hanging out. So kids, I, I don't know about you, but this isn't how I hung out when I was a kid. All right? Now granted, I, I, I was a kid in the 60s. Right? That was the other millennia for those young kids. Um, I was a kid in the 60s, so we didn't have anything like this. But this is, this is how they hang out now. Right? When I was a kid, how would my mom find me? She would yell out the window, right? She'd say, Drew, and we lived in an apartment building, and she would say, Drew, and I'll be downstairs playing hockey in the driveway. That's where I would be, right? So she wanted to find me, she would yell, how do you find your kids now? You touch them, because they're all downstairs in your basement, right? They're all, and they're, but they're totally quiet, right? Or they're making grunting noises as they're playing Minecraft. Oh, ooh, oh, right? That's, that's not like a social engagement. Right, we're just interacting with their phones. Even breastfeeding, right? What, what's the nickname for this? Have you read about this? Breasting. This is breasting. <laughs> right, the nickname for this is breasting. Right, but she's not engaged with her baby. Right? Put down the phone when you're breastfeeding. There's a big difference. Look at the difference in this, these two pictures. Look at the difference. And can you see where the difference is? Where's the difference? It's in her eyes. Right? If you look over here, right, her eyes are fully engaged. They've got the little crinkles going on, a little crow's feet, big smile like this. She's looking at her baby. And there's also this touch, right? She's touching her baby, where she is totally disconnected. Now, the two people, you can put them in a room and you say, well, I'm still doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm still nursing, right? I'm providing nutrition, which is good. But you're not a walking nutrition thing, right? You're supposed to be having some interaction with your baby. And I think this is a huge missing piece. This is the social interaction things that Dr. Porges is talking about. And I want you to look at this, and I want you to study this with your patients, right? What Porges talks about, one of the most important areas for us to look at is to tell if we have social engagement is the obicularis oculi. If you look at, here's the three pictures of this young lady. You look at this picture over here, and then you change, look at over here. You can see the eyes haven't changed much, right, from here to here. Even though her mouth is open because she's smiling, they call this the social smile. Right, so the mouth is open, but nothing is changed in the eyes. But this is what they call a spontaneous smile. Spontaneous smile. And now, can you see the difference in her eyes? She's got little crinkles here. She's too young to have crow's feet, but you know, us who are older have a little bit of crow's feet you know, over there. That's a huge difference, right? And that's when you tell when someone's truly engaged, is what's happening with the orbicularis ocula. So if we compare this picture I showed you before and George Clooney over here, see, we, look at them. They're all, they have smiles on their faces, but nothing's happening to their eyes. George Clooney, you can see, is not just in his mouth, is his eyes, too, are showing that full engagement. And if this is called Duchesne smiling. For those of you who are studying smiling, um, this is called Duchesne smiling. Back in the 1800s, a scientist named Duchesne 
uh, came up with this, this thought process of the different kinds of smiles. So here's Julia Roberts, right, looking very extraordinary here. But then here, you can see the eyes are different. Can you see the difference here? The crinkles under here, the crow's feet, the larger smile here. That's the Duchenne versus the non-Duchenne smile. Why is this important? Because pervasive technology is cutting us off. And the problem isn't that it's not just cutting us off when we are on these devices. It's that the, the, the effect is lasting, right? Because we're on these devices, not just minutes a day, but hours a day we're on these devices. And it's creating lasting effects, lasting changes in our society. So back in the 80s, when, they were, when kids were playing, they were just running around like this, and they were moving, right? There was, the interaction involves something with your eyes and your mouth and moving. Right? That woman, when she's breastfeeding, she put her hand there. There's a movement involved with this. You're not just sitting here looking at your, I'm, I'm doing my duty breastfeeding, but I'm going to sit there and go on Facebook as I'm breastfeeding, so i got to catch up with my likes. Right? But we really need to start thinking about what's happening to our, to our, our kids' brains. You know, and Tony Robbins, one of my favorite motivational speakers, he says a simple quote, motion creates emotion. Right? Movement is everything. And Einstein, what he says is, Albert Einstein says, nothing happens unless something moves. Do you get that? Right? From the cellular level all the way up to our own level, our macro level, nothing happens until something moves. If the people who are depressed tend to move less, right? They tend to exercise less. And these are proven facts. So what we're talking about, what I'm, my hypothesis is this. What happens if the brain is not being fed? My suggestion is that what's happening today to our kids especially is that kids, our kids' brains are not being fed. Adults do, but especially kids, right? Cell phones, iPads, laptops, Netflix, all this kind of stuff, it creates this constant need for, for entertainment, right? Because dopamine used to be, how do we used to get dopamine? What we used to do to give us, ourselves some dopamine when we were really younger? We run, well, chocolate maybe. <laughs> we still do that. Let's not take anything away from chocolate. Um, so, but what do we used to do when we were kids to get dopamine? We run around, especially outside. Add a little dopamine, a little vitamin D together, right? This is a good idea, right? Now, how do kids get dopamine? Is they sit there on their phones, right? And they're playing Angry Birds, and they go like this. They go like this, and then the dude, have you played, I played Angry Birds. Today. I want to experiment. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> So it goes up like this, the bird goes up and then crashes into the pig like this, and if you knock it down, you're like, oh yes. And when they say, oh yes, what happens? They get a little dopamine surge. So they don't need to go outside, right? In, in our neighborhood, we've been in our neighborhood now for 12 years, right? When we first went in our, our neighborhood, we drive around, kids running around outside, running, running all the place. Now we've done my neighborhood, I rarely see a kid outside because they don't want to be outside because they're not getting the dopamine playing outside and running around like crazy kids and making all this kind of noise. Now they're downstairs and they're basically quiet, playing on their phones. Number one. Number two is processed chemicals and altered food, right? The Monsanto McDonald's generation that we brought up. Everything we eat is processed junk, right? There's hardly any nutrition in this kind of stuff. So, we not, so we're starving for dopamine and we're starving for good nutrition. And the last thing is we're starving for air, soil, and water. We have this, this our, our air is polluted. Even if it's fresh air, like this might be relatively fresh air in here, but if we took a, a picture of an EMFs in this room, this is not fresh air, right? Because if each one of you got a cell phone, that means each one of you's got some kind of dagger pointing into you with EMFs. So if we took a picture, there'd be, if there's 100 people in this room, we have 100 different you know, Wi-Fi uh, uh, 
fans being blasted into you, right? So we are starving, and what's happening is that we, these brains are starving, and we're creating starving children. Not just starving for, for food, but starving for proper biomechanics and proper homeostasis. So is this increase in pervasive technology and decrease in brain being fed, is that creating a de-evolution? Are we turning off our ability to be human? Right? And you may not believe me just yet. You may say, you know, I think you're, you're taking this a little too far. I don't really think that's exactly what's happening. But I want to tell you this, especially now as a chiropractor, 27 going on 28 years, right? I am watching the de-evolution going on. And so are you. Right? If you're a chiropractor, you've been in practice for a little while, you are watching the evolutions. Here's examples. C-section rates 33%. Are you telling me that one that, that one third of all our females in the United States of America cannot have a baby naturally? Right? There's a place for C-sections, absolutely. But 33%? Do you know what it was in the 1970s? What was the C-section rate in the 1970s? 10%. So are you telling me something went wrong with with a one generation's worth of women that all of a sudden 30, one third of all women cannot have a baby naturally? I don't think so. Infecundity rate, which means uh, can a child can carry a child to, uh, to full term? In other words, they're having either miscarriages, ectopic pregnancies, or very early births, right? 12%, right? What is that? Humanity would not have survived thousands of years ago if this was the kind of stuff that was really happening. Colic. 17 to 25% of our kids have colic. How is that possible, right? We're supposed to eat, right? Eating is like an essential thing of life, right? So how is it possible that 17 to 25% of our kids have talent? How is it possible that 60% of our women have trouble breastfeeding and are giving up breastfeeding earlier than they want to? Right, 60%. That means most women who start breastfeeding with the intention, I'm gonna go for six months to a year, most of them give up after two or three months. And the number one problem with that is latching and nursing. If you read this, this study here, the number one problem is latching and nursing problems. How is it possible that little bit, what would have happened a couple hundred years ago if babies were born and they couldn't eat? They would die, right? How is that, what is going on here? This is what I want you to really think about. Constipation is affecting 25% of children these days. This now, have you seen this thing? This is the Bristol stool form chart because, because it, you're, you're having to identify what sort of poopy your little kid is having, right? I, I, this is just blowing my mind. 10% uh, of kids have sleep problems. 10% of our children have sleep problems under three years of age. So you think about the things that a kid is supposed to do, right? What are the main things a kid is supposed to do? Eat, poop, and sleep, right? We can't even do that. We can't even do that. Women are supposed to be able to give birth. We're having a hard time doing that too. That's the evolution, right? That's the evolution. Something is happening to our humanity. We are de-evolving. Autism, right? This is my main topic. Some of you guys have heard me talk in ICPA seminars. Uh, this is my main topic, taking care of special needs kids. This is my thing, right? Autism. When I was a kid in the 1960s and 70s, what was the autism rate? One in 10,000. One in 10,000. This is a couple of years ago, it's one in 68. What is going on? And they say it's genetic? Are you kidding? This is a genetic epidemic. It's not possible. There's something else that's happening. I'm telling you it's the evolution. ADHD, 10% of our kids. Today, right now, right now, in the eastern seaboard, kids are going on lunch break 
And where are they going first before they eat lunch? They're lining up at the nurse's office to get what? Ritalin, Concerta, Adderall, Stratera, right? Or they're wearing patches, some of the new patches, right? All these kind of drugs. 10% of our kids are out there doing this. One in five kids now has a learning disability. One in five children has a learning disability. And this crazy stat, one in five kids born today, by the time they're five years old, is gonna have some sort of neurodevelopmental mental health disorder. One in five. Chiropractors, I can't stand this anymore. And we have to just, who's gonna do something about it? It ain't gonna be them. You know what I mean by them, right? It ain't gonna be them, right? This is it. <laughs> this is it. This group here, this is it. Our brains are disconnected, right? Our kids' brains with the autism rate, ADHD, learning disorders, they are totally disconnected. And you know what? It's now creeping into the adults, isn't it? Right? The adult brains are disconnected. How many shootings have we had in the last couple of years? How many shootings, how many school shootings have we had this year so far? Eight. Eight school shootings, right? Right, eight school shootings, and they're worried about, about they're saying, well, it's the mental health of our, of our people. Yeah, who's gonna take care of the mental health? You think what we're doing currently is working? You think more of what we're doing is going to work? Right, my first chiropractor kept on saying, if you keep on doing the same thing, you keep on getting what? The same results. He said, you want something different? What do you gotta do? Something different. Somebody work here, live here in Washington, D.C.? How about talking to Trump? Tell we need something different. Right? Whatever's been going on, it ain't working. Right? This many killings in this short a period of time, it ain't working. What we need is something different. And what did my first chiropractor say to me? He said, chiropractic is that something different. Chiropractic is that something But here's my conjecture. Because I, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I don't like being, you know, kind of focusing on negative things. Right? It's just not my, my kind of style. So I kept on thinking, okay, so what could it be? And then my wife, my beautiful wife, Lisa and I, were talking about this. And maybe on the way up, like, you know when you're in a plane, most of you guys got here by plane, when you're on your way up, it's kind of turbulent on the way up. Maybe we have to experience this de-evolution in order to experience the re-evolution. Maybe humanity needs to have what is happening now to it in order for us to get to the next level. Is that a possibility? Yeah, I'd say, why not? Why not? I think so. And here's another interesting thought, and this, I, this is not an original thought, as you can see. Is it possible that another species is evolving right now? Is it possible? So according to Dr. Harari, who wrote the book Sapiens, he said the Earth of 100 millennia ago was walked by these six different species of man. Now that's not how, not how I was, was taught when I was in science classes in high school and college. Right? I was taught that it was very linear. Right? First you had like, Astrocolicus, and then you have Homo erectus, and then you have Neanderthals, and you had Cro-Magnon, and then Homo sapiens. That's how we were taught, in a very linear way. That's not how it happened. That's not how it happened. I, there's, a, there's six different versions of Homo, homo somethings, Homo erectus, Homo heidelbergs, Homo rhododendrus, like all these different versions of, of man, of hominids, were existing at one time. So is it possible, right now, that this is happening also. Is it possible? Is it possible, Doc, Dr. Harari says, is it possible that the, that natural selection, which is what governed a lot of what's happening in the world for millennia, 
Is it possible because of our technology and our technological abilities, is it possible that this is changing from natural selection to intelligent design? Another author, uh, Dr. Juan Enriquez, I don't know if you've ever seen his TED talk about homo evolutus, but this is his conjecture, is that we are, we are evolving another species right now, and that species is just is like another stage of our evolution. So we keep on thinking that we're evolving in a certain way, but maybe we're kind of evolving in a different way by having another species come here. And the further impact of this intelligent design is that this pervasive technology is actually affecting our epigenetics. Right? It's not, it's not affecting genetics, it's affecting epigenetics. It's literally changing how our, our bodies are expressing themselves and what's happening to us. We're creating de novo mutations as we go along, they from all this incredible impact of the, our brains not being fed, whether our brains aren't being fed because of technology, because of bad food, because of water, oxygen, air, etc. Right? And I have this term, this is my own term that I came up with, is instead of, I didn't like the homo, uh, homo evolutus, I didn't like that. I came up with this homo technicus. <laughs> right? That was my term, homo technicus. Maybe there's another sort of homo sapiens evolving that is homo technicus, and maybe they need less eye contact. Maybe they need less social interaction. Maybe they have more repetitive behaviors. And that's okay, because it's just another way of them expressing themselves. So uh, Dr. Enriquez said in his TED talk, he said, will our kids be a different species? You know, the autistic brain is hyper-reactive and hyper-plastic, and it's just creating a very different kind of individual. I don't know about you guys, but I take care of a lot of autistic children. Right? And there's a way to reach them, and we have to reach them sort of on a, in a different way to, because we, we want to get into their brains. Right? A lot of times what we do is we try to push our chiropractic onto them. What I'm suggesting is that we kind of follow their lead and give them chiropractic that goes with their little abilities and their little ways of doing things. Right? So I, some people say, have said to me when they adjust uh, autistic children that they, uh, these kids are very antsy and they won't lie down and they just force them to lie down and force them to give an adjustment. But that's not creating a loving bond that I want to create with them. Right? So I'm kind of thinking about, I call it patient-centered adjusting. Right? So based upon what the patient needs, Patient drives how they'll get adjusted, right? So I had an autistic boy just yesterday. Sometimes he comes in, he lies face down. Fine, I'll do network on him. Yesterday he didn't want to lie face down. He was a little anxious. So what do you do? He lied face up. Who cares? I don't care. I don't care. So we have some kids, they don't want to lie down at all. You want to sit up, that's fine. You want to play by the toys, that's fine. You want to build some Legos that you're getting adjusted? Who cares? I just want to adjust you wherever I can. Right? I want to reach them where they are, right? Not put them where I am, but reach them on their plane, on their level. That's my thought about this. Are we seeing, and here's another interesting thing from Dr. Rikas, are we seeing evolution in real time, right? Evolution used to take generations and generations and generations to occur, but is it happening much, much quicker now? Is it happening because of the fast food fetish that we have in this country, like we mentioned? Is it happening because of what they call the geek syndrome? Have you read about that? Like places like in Silicon Valley, or uh, with uh, two people in Apple or Google, whatever, who are very, very, very like dominant on one side of their brains, and the two of them are getting married, and they're producing a, a child who is on the autistic spectrum because they both of them have such different kind of brain functions that they're epigenetically producing a different kind of kid. That's called the geek syndrome. TMI, too much information. Are we producing too much information? 
right? We're shoving so much information at our kids and our adults these days that we're, we're, we're just shifting the way our brains focus. And the chemicals, like we talked about, how much chemical stuff do we not tolerate now? From the air and the water and the food that we eat? This is another really fabulous book that you might want to check out called The Power of Neurodiversity by Dr. Thomas Armstrong. And what I think is a really interesting thing that Dr. Armstrong talked about is he's saying food is really defining mental illness. So a quote from the book, dyslexia is based upon the social value that everyone needs to be able to read. But 150 years ago, did everybody read? No, a lot of people didn't have access to books, right? So what is really dyslexia, right? It's sort of a different thing if you think about it. it if, if 150 years ago, not everybody was reading, then, then dyslexia was unknown, right? There's only a certain small amount of people read. What about autism? Right? Autism reflects the cultural value that suggests that it's better to be an militia than to be alone. But who says that that is the way it has to be? Right? That is a cultural thought process that we are imposing upon children with autism. But maybe this is just how they're developing. Maybe this is just what they are. They, if they're happy interacting in that particular way, how is that bad? And that's the concept of neurodiversity. I think it's absolutely beautiful that he's putting forth, is maybe we have to stop seeing things as wrong Right? This is this way and this is that way. And maybe we need to have a neurodiverse thought process of what these kids are like. Maybe we have to have an understanding that, that this child is, is okay the way they are. So as a chiropractor, my job, some, a lot of people come to our office and they say, well, are you gonna, my kid's not talking, you make him talk? What's my answer? I don't know. That's not my job. What's my job? What's my one job? Remove nerve interference right to the nerve system. Thank you, Sharon. Remove nerve interference. That's my one job, right? Now, will some do some kids start talking? Absolutely. Case in point, we had a little boy <coughs> came in a couple weeks ago. And this kid was classic, right? The classic child that you see on the autistic spectrum. So he would be flapping his hands. And he would screech and run around, rah, rah, and he'd go la 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 all the time. That was that was just how he did it. Four and a half years old, no communication, no no words whatsoever. We started adjusting him. And every time he'd come in, the parents would have to run around and try to lasso him in and stop him from running around and stuff because he was just so hyper-reactive like we talked about before, right? And in a, in a stimulating environment, he just couldn't, couldn't stand that stimulating environment. We started adjusting him, started adjusting him, started adjusting him. A couple weeks into it, the other day he comes in on, on actually yesterday, he comes in and he, he walks in just like this. Totally calm, not clapping his hands. His dad's just holding his hands like this. He comes over, he's got his favorite table, he has to get adjusted on that one particular bench. So we have a big open adjusting area. So he comes over and he looks at me like this and he lies face down on the adjusting bench. I'm like, oh my, wow, this is pretty cool, right? And one of the things that we always do with, with uh, special needs kids is, is, is we try to, uh, you, very important to understand, we need to slow down with them, right? Like, we're, we're a very fast-paced office, very fast-paced office, but when you have a child like this in your midst, you better slow yourself down, right? So, and that just doesn't mean you're adjusting. It means your voice, right? It means your pace. It means everything. So before you go see him, you gotta take a breath in and out, right? Get yourself ready for this, kind of recharge yourself, connect into a different, like here's my normal connection, here's a different connection, right? And I stroke his back every time I'm adjusting because he loves that feeling. A lot of special needs kids love that feeling of just someone touching them, right? And I, I start with the back of his head, he's face down, and so if I could just go down and smile like this. And then I, I do a lot of networking, so I do a gentle network adjustment, 
stroke is fine, and I talk really soft. I said, good job, buddy. Good job. You're doing so good. And I'm encouraging the whole way, right? The whole several-minute adjustment. I do a, a small contact. Good job. You're doing so good. You are great. You're getting better every day. Your brain is stronger. You're healthier, right? Just giving all these kind of encouraging things, right? So he gets up, starts to walk off. Um, with his father and his mother is standing there and she starts tears in her eyes and she says, Dr. Matt, I want to tell you, this past weekend, he said his first words. He said, Mom, he said, Dad, and he said, Down. Right, so don't tell me that we shouldn't be taking care of these kind of kids. Right? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that we don't have a place with these kind of children. Right? Because to me, that's the best place for us to be, is taking care of the stuff of these kids. To me, that, that my heart sings when I see that we have another child on the spectrum coming into our practice because these are the kids who need our attention more than ever before, right? And I can help, I know that when they get adjusted, when any kid, or, or adult for that matter, gets us getting adjusted, there's one thought process that's in my mind at all times. It's a big word, but we should all know this word. What is that thought process that I know is gonna help that kid get to the next level or that adult to the next level? Neuroplasticity. You know what that means? I'm going to tell you what that means in a real short period of time. Anything's possible. That's what that means. Anything is possible. Right? Now, it doesn't mean everything for every kid is possible. Understand that. Right? So I can't predict what kid's going to have what kind of reaction to what sort of thing. But I know anything is possible. Anything is possible to help re-evolve a child. Neuroplasticity is what we're leaning on. So, like I said, what's going on here is it is it possible that maybe we needed to de-evolve in order to re-evolve. Maybe we needed to have this sort of dip in the road in order to get to the next place. Maybe humanity has this, we're, on, we're, just, we're not on this continuum, just this one straight line. Maybe we had to take this little dip like this to get up to the next level. And how can chiropractic manage this? So I'll show you some more examples, right? Here's a woman who comes into my office a couple of, uh, last year. Um, this is a case study. We have a bunch of case studies that, that I wrote or uh, some of my uh, students wrote because I, I teach at Life University. So here's a case study. We had a woman come in who uh, had one of those god-awful C-sections. You know, she was at 36-hour labor and everything was all kinds of problematic and the baby's heart rate was dropping and eventually had to have a C-section, uh, which in that case is a warranted thing, absolutely. If there's, if there's a problem, the crisis, take care of the crisis, right? So she comes into the office and she's about 40 years old and she's pregnant again. She says, I really want to have a feedback. In fact, I want to have a water birth feedback. And everybody's telling me I can't do it. Everybody's telling me I can't do it. What do we say? And it's possible. And it's possible, right? With the right alignment, anything's possible. Have you ever been adjusted before? Well, a couple times when I had some back pain, whatever. And I said, all right, you know, I know what your problem is. And I'm telling you this, for those of you who don't have a lot of experience with pregnant women, I'm telling you this, almost 100% of the time, what are you gonna find in a woman's pelvis when they have has either C-sections or really difficult, you know, challenging labors. What, what are you gonna find? 100% of the time, practically maybe 99% or 99% of the time, I'm gonna see a pelvic misalignment where hip walk. one hip is higher than the other and it's sacred to shift. Right? So I tell them all when I sit down with them, I know and I know that I know because I've been doing this for so long that you have a pelvic subluxation. There's no doubt in my mind that one side's higher than the other and I put my hands on their hips during the exam. I'm like, see, just like I talked to you about, one hip is higher than the other. This is a bet the sacred. It's no wonder. It is no wonder. This is what happens. This one thing leads to another. And I, I love showing them something like this. I'll say, so here's your pelvis like this. 
And you, when you're having a baby, your pelvis is going to open up like this, right? So it, it makes a nice big circle like this. But if your pelvis is like this, and now it opens up, it opens up like this. So now that nice big circle that the baby's supposed to come down through, it's much harder to take the transit, right? So what we're going to do is what I told her. What we're going to do is we're going to get that, your pelvis as lined up as we can, right? And she had a beautiful water birth feedback. And everybody was telling her, four years old, there's no way. No way is it going to happen. And this little girl is like the happiest baby in the whole world, right? And we see that a lot, right? Our Cairo kids, aren't, isn't there a difference, right? There's a difference in Cairo babies. There's a difference in Cairo kids. Right? Re-evolution. Right? Another re-evolution. Chiropractic care helps with nursing issues. So this is a, a paper I wrote a number of years ago. Colic, torticollis, plagiocephaly, and feeding difficulties. Nursing. We gotta eat, poop, and sleep. Chiropractic can help with that. But yet this. Understand this. We're coming from a salutogenic perspective, all right? So does a chiropractor treat nursing issues? No. Does a chiropractor treat autism? No. Does a chiropractor treat pregnancy? No. Or breach or anything. We don't, I need to treat back pain, right? All I do is take care of subluxation all day long. But we happen to get some amazing results in care of subluxation, right? Another child with colic and reflux and developmental delay had an amazing result on the chiropractic care. Evolution. Yet another child, this, I gotta tell you this story. This is an amazing story. All right. uh, recent child came in a couple, a couple of, uh, actually about six months ago. Yeah, about six months ago. And this little boy came in, and he, like, when that door, like, where Dr. Justin is right there, when he, when, when he, when the little boy came in, he was crying and crying and crying and crying. Just the entire first visit, and when he left, was still crying. It left, you know, next visit, the water flies came back, still crying, crying, they are just crying the whole time. Poor kid, all I saw is his uvula, right? He was just like this, just screaming the whole time, this poor little boy. He had had a super traumatic delivery, got stuck in the birth canal because the mom was not adjusted, had a, a vacuum extraction pulled on you know, to get him out, pulled him out, had this huge hematoma on his head, crying all the time, and couldn't nurse. Right? So he was, he was headed towards failure to thrive. It was a very scary kind of thing. The parents were wondering what was going on. We started adjusting him. And instantly, when we first started adjusting him, he didn't stop crying, but he started nursing. Right? After the first adjustment, he was able to start nursing. But here's the kicker. Right? The kid was crying and crying and crying. Before I, I, God bless the parents. Crying, crying. We saw him three times a week, three times a week, three times a week. After the first month, all of a sudden, he would come in and get adjusted, and he wouldn't cry as much. Right? And then after another couple of weeks, he started crying less. And now the kid's six months old and the happiest kid I've ever seen. This kid is smiles all the way. It is amazing. You couldn't tell this is the same kid because you never saw his face. You never saw his eyes. It's always like, ah, screaming, right? Re-evolution. We changed this child. Here's what I want you guys to think about. What would have happened if you didn't touch him? Do you get that? Right? Do you get that? Do you get what, would ha what happens when you don't touch someone? What would happen if this little boy didn't get touched? Never got adjusted. What would happen? What would he be on at a minimum? Right? Prevacid, Pepsid, right? One of those kind of things for his collagen reflux, right? What would they have done in his head? God knows. God knows what they've done in his head. What would they have done for his crying? Like, if he keeps on crying and crying and crying and crying like this, who knows what's going to happen? And here's the key who knows what's going to happen? Not just right now. Right? It's not just right now. Who knows what's going to happen 10 years from now? When this kid is in school and he spent his first year crying his eyes out, will this kid have concentration and learning difficulties? 
We don't know. Would that crime have changed this little boy's brain? We don't know. But now, the kid is happy as anything, right? We help re-evolve them. This is what chiropractic does. Constipation. A little boy, four years old, he, went, he used to get so constipated, he would go to the bathroom for six, seven, eight, nine, ten days at a time. When he, when he was finally able to go, what would happen is the kid would go into a panic attack. Right? When he's finally ready, he would go into a panic attack. So imagine your entire intestines were filled with poop all the way you know, from your appendix, practically, all the way around. Right? And now, all of a sudden, he feels it, he's got to go. Is this going to be a comfortable bathroom experience for this child? No. So this kid will go into a panic attack. He would scream and rant and drop himself on the floor and kick and, and, and fight and just go ballistic. And then he'd go to the bathroom for like an hour or two. And he'd be screaming the whole time. Right? So uncomfortable. And the parents are out there with his head. And what do you think they've already done to this kid? You know, Metamucil and Miralax and, you know, this fiber one, this thing. And acidophilus is great as acidophilus is, but if, if the nerves aren't working, right? If the nerves aren't working to the colon, I don't care what the hell you put into this kid, right? It's not gonna make it work, right? We have to do something different, right? Chiropractors have something different, so they came in last resort. And it's unfortunate that a lot of times that's what it is these days. Some days will be the first place to come. But they were, we were the last resort, like we don't know what to do. Next, next thing we're gonna have to do, I don't even know. I don't know what we have to do because we're just having such massive problems, right? Couple of adjustments. What kind of adjustment did I do, by the way? For those life students who know exactly what I'm going to say, we have my classes. What adjustment we do at this point? Logan. Right? We need a Logan sustained contact on this little boy. Right? Logan sustained. That's right. Go look at it. We did a Logan sustained contact on this boy you know, for about a minute, every visit, three times a week for a couple of months. This kid poops like a champ now. Right? Eating, pooping, and sleeping. Thank you. Eating, pooping, and sleeping. This is what we're supposed to be doing, right? Is eating, pooping, and sleeping something weird? Is that something novel or different or new that we shouldn't, we're trying to reintroduce into our, into our kids these days? No, it should be natural, right? This is natural stuff that we're having problems with. That's why I'm saying chiropractors or chiropractic students, we help re-evolve the kids, right? We get the, they're headed in this direction. We get them in this direction. Uh, chiropractic care helps with ADHD, LD, uh, SBD. This is a, a, a paper I put uh, out a couple of years ago about primer reflexes in chiropractic. How many guys are doing primer reflex work in your offices? Oh, we need more. We need more people. What? Primer reflexes. Dr. Malillo. I don't have his book out here, but Dr. Malillo, Get Disconnected Kids. Get Disconnected Kids by Dr. Robert Malillo. He is the guru with this kind of stuff uh, from the functional neurology uh, side of things. Absolutely amazing stuff. He talked about the importance of primitive reflexes. I'm telling you, this is life changing for these kids, right? Your adjustments are amazing, but what, what do we do? What do we do to seal them in, right? What do we do to seal them in? When the child is home, because you're adjusting them and your adjustment is you know, five minutes long or whatever, what are we doing with these kids to seal them in when they're away from you? So every day we have our kids do these exercises and we reward them, right? We have little trinket things and dolls and toys and balls and frisbee things, whatever. So if they fill out our little chart and they check it off every single day for a month, we will give them a, a reward at the end of the month, right? And we have this Candyland poster that we, we take a picture of them and we have them rise up on the board of Candyland and when they get, get to the top of Candyland, they get their reward. And they love it, right? They love it, but we know what's even better is the parents love it because it helps the kids. It helps seal in what we're doing. So for those of you who are not doing for reflexes, 
Please get this and get your kids. Come to my ICPA seminar. I'm the one, the alphabet soup guy. Come to my ICPA seminar. Whereas, we'll be sitting near you soon. <laughs> Autism. Right, it's one of my favorite papers from one of my favorite books, Polyvagal Theory. Um, when I first heard about, who's here about Polyvagal Theory, by the way? Oh, man. Wow. So we really, this, this, we need to get up on the polyvagal theory too. One of my favorite uh, uh, books, like I said, here's a polyvagal theory in a nutshell, all right? Way back when, we used to think that the autonomic nerve system had how many parts? Two parts, how many parts does it really have? Three, three parts. We have sympathetic, we have parasympathetic, and what else do we have? Social engagement, social engagement. That social engagement piece is the biggest piece I've ever seen with these special needs kids. That social engagement piece. Matter of fact, we talked about the orbicularis oculi you know, before. When you see an autistic child, a severely autistic ch ch child smile, this is how they smile. Right, nothing happens over here. Nothing happens over here. When you know you're making a difference and you're taking uh, your pictures, uh, you know, you're updating your pictures of, of these kids and you start seeing the critical lines and the eyes get a little bit smaller when they're smiling, right? It's not just the mouth, it's the mouth and the eyes, right? And that's what this is talking about. That, and Dr. Porges uh, is doing unbelievable research uh, with a variety of different things. I'm trying to get him to be more interested in chiropractic than I have been in contact. I'm trying to say, this is the kind of thing you should be thinking about. But, you know, mainstream is a little harder to get into, but eventually I'm gonna keep on pecking away at this. Right? Chiropractic helps with this. Re-evolution, look at this. I'll talk about these two boys, right? This one boy came in over here, failing out of school. He was failing every single test, every single time, especially math. Math, he was just bottoming out on. Every single test, every single time, third grade. And this kid, I wish I could, my mom would let me put a picture up. This kid is so gorgeous and so cute. And whenever he comes to the office, he's like this little puppy. He's like, oh, doctor, I need my adjustment. Even if it's not his turn, it's like he wants to go first, right? Love this little boy. Anyway, so he comes in the other day. And the mom's like, give it to him, give it to him, give it to him. And the mom, uh, I mean, the boy hands me this, saying, you did it, achieving proficient on math uh, data. Uh, and he said, Dr. Rubin, guess what my grades are? Guess what my grades are in the last couple of days? 95, 96, 98, but I think I'm 185. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, it's so yellow. Right, that's totally amazing, right? Re-evolution. What would have happened if we didn't adjust these children, right? What's the next step for this kid? Is Ritalin, is Vyvanse, is Concerta, is Adderall. That's the next step for these children, right? And then this little boy here, I, I don't have the, the first one, I should have put that one up here too. You see these frowny faces here? That's what was all circled, you know, highlighted. That's all this kid would get, his frowny faces. He would, he would punch kids and disrupt kids and throw things and all this kind of stuff. And then just a couple weeks ago, he came in and like, look at this, look at that. Isn't that amazing, right? Re-evolution, the kid changed, right? The kid changed, he became more himself, right? So it's not to say that chiropractic, like the whole point of chiropractic isn't to make someone not something. The whole point is to make them better at whatever they are. Do you get the difference, right? It's not to unplug them from being autistic or learning disorder or ADHD. It's to make them better at, at dealing with whatever hands they were given. That's the whole point of re-evolution. Right, that's what we're doing, what we're doing. And here's, uh, Dr. Alcantara will thank me for this. Here's what I'm really gonna ask of you guys. How many of you guys are in practice right now? How many of you guys are in practice? Okay, excellent, excellent. All right, I want one paper from each of you. 
I want one research paper from each of you. If we can get one research paper from each of you, and I know some of you guys have done it, I want one research paper from each of you because we, how are we going to change the world if we don't tell them what we do? How many, and people say, well, it's just case studies. I'm telling you, at some point, there's going to be some sort of research, enough case studies, or one particular case study. That's, going to, that's why I keep on writing. I write, and I write, and I write. I'm writing another research paper right now about the polyvagal tree, and I keep on doing it. And I'm hoping that at some point, something's going to break through out into the major realms and to make that difference. That could be your paper. That could be your case. Right? We need it from you guys. And for those of you guys who are not chiropractors, uh, you maybe are, are, are students. When you become chiropractors, we expect research papers from you. And if you guys are spouses or CAs, right, <laughs> then refer to us so we can write papers about the kids you refer to. Right? That's, the, that's the step that we have to take. All right, so this is super important. I want everybody to take out your cell phones. Hold up your cell phones. Take out your cell phones. Why am I, there you go. <laughs> I see it there. Okay, this is how we talk to our people. This is how we talk to our people, right? So what I'd like you to do right now, please, is like us on Facebook. <laughs> Go to Ruben Family Chiropractic, that page, you have my name ready, and please like me there. Why should you like me? Number one, because this is how we have to lead our patients. We have to ask our patients, please like us on Facebook, because I want you to get on your feed some chiropractic messages every single day. And that's what we put out every single day. Every Tuesday I'm putting out a video. Every single Tuesday I'm doing something to get people involved. I want people involved. So like my page so you can see the stuff that we put out to inspire you to put stuff out. Because if every one of you would start making a concerted effort to get away from Facebook as being what you're eating today and who you're with and what book you might be reading and talk about chiropractic so we can use this as an educational tool, let's take over Facebook for education. Let's take over Facebook for chiropractic, right? Instead of Facebook for all this junk stuff and rant and rave, don't get involved in that kind of stuff. Just educate. Just put the information out there. Give them videos about you know, chiropractic. Give them videos about adjusting your kids. Give them videos about different kind of things that you do in your office. Give them educational videos to get them totally psyched up for what we do. Right? That's how we get involved with our community. Right? Some of you guys may know this, some of you may not. Uh, I have a podcast. I'm recording this for, for a podcast. I have a podcast. My Logan buddies over here love my podcast, and I appreciate them very much. This podcast is not just about chiropractic, even though chiropractic obviously is the centerpiece of it. The podcast is for the people. And how do I know that? Because I'm getting people all over the world listening to it. Right? I was just looking, I'm always looking at where on earth uh, are people listening. You know, Sierra Leone is a place that people listen to in Africa. Right? Isn't that amazing? People in South America, people all over uh, Europe are listening. Kazakhstan, right? I know there's no chiropractors in Kazakhstan, but they're listening to this message. And why is that important? Because the chiropractic message is a philosophy, right? It's a life philosophy. And that's what we're doing this for, right? That's what we're doing this for. We're trying to get the message out. So please listen to Chirocast. Tell other friends about Chirocast because I want this message out to the world. It's not just for our little group over here. So ultimately, here's the deal, right? We need to see the kids in pregnancy, because who the hell else is going to? Can, can you name another group that will? That's good, that can do what we do? That can have the power to influence our people the way we do? I don't think there's another group out there on the planet. The ICPA is it, right? My opinion, Drupal's opinion, I, okay, I am tainted because I've been doing this for a long time, but 
my opinion, ICPA is the group that is changing the kids and the shape of the future of the people on our planet. And every man, woman, and child needs to get adjusted. And this is one of my favorite quotes from BJ Plum that I'm gonna to read to you. Every man, woman, and child in the world is a spy. It makes no difference whether he is he or she is black or white, red or yellow, whether they live in the mountain or in the valley, on the land or the water, at the North Pole, the equator, rich or poor is equally applied. Every spine has a subluxation. Each subluxation is producing dis-ease in one or more places. I want you to think about the one, this one word that is the most important word in this particular uh, little blurb from, by the way, it's from upside, uh, from a bigness of the fell within. What is this particular, what's the most important word of this? Every. Because who does that leave out? No one, right? Why are chiropractors seeing 10% of the population instead of 100%? I have no idea. I, it boggles my mind. And it boggles most of our patients' minds who say, I don't know how I could have gotten through my pregnancy without chiropractic. I don't know what I would have done with my kid, you know, this year in school. We just had the mom come in yesterday and she's like, yeah, my kids haven't been sick the whole year. Everybody else around them has got a flu, 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 flu. My kids haven't been sick at all the whole year, right? Right? Why are we such a secret? Right? You know why we're such a secret? Because we are not telling the story loud enough, long enough, and strong enough. That's why I say get out there on Facebook and tell it. That's why I say go on podcasts and tell it. That's why I say go to every rooftop you can and tell it. Right? Tell it. We have to get chiropractic out there because we are the ones who are going to save the world, I really believe. We are the ones who are going to help get humanity from its de-evolution that we're kind of getting into now to a, a re-evolved place that we're going to. And what I'd love to hear is feedback. So this is my email address, this is my phone number, and this is my website. I want to hear feedback, right? I want to hear if you think I'm right or wrong. And if, if you're, either way, I don't care. I just want the feedback because I love what I do and I'm passionate about what I do. And my whole goal, my whole commitment is to make sure, like my mission is that Every child on the planet gets adjusted. That's my mission. I want to see every child on the planet get adjusted. Right? My mission is healing the children one spine, one brain and nerve system at a time. Thank you so much. We've had some tremendous response from that particular workshop, even uh, a TV film came from WDMV in Virginia to interview me about that afterwards. I am super pumped and excited to be bringing this to you from the ICPA Family Wellness Summit in rest of Virginia, Washington, D.C. area, and I would like to make a special offer to you. Please, if you email me, at Ruben Chiropractic, that's R-U-B-I-N chiropractic at gmail.com, then I will send you for free five pediatric pointers that doctors don't want you to know. So if you're interested in that, please send me your uh, an email saying, uh, send me the pointers, and I will send that out to you ASAP. It's been really great uh, talking to you. We're closing in on number 200 for, uh, for the number of podcasts we've done. Super excited about that. And uh, if you want to check us out more, check us out on the web at theadjustment.com. Check us out on Facebook at Ruben Family Chiropractic. Uh, and certainly keep on listening to Chirocast and tell others 
Uh, anytime you give us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. Thanks, and looking forward to the next one.